Hello, folks. This is Nathan from Utility Muffin Labs. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcasts, Nerd Words, and 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I wanted to take a couple of seconds to let you know about some of the ways we are trying to fund our podcasts. First, we have a GoFundMe so that we can replace our broken down old computer. Check it out at www.gofundme.com forward slash help dash keep dash the dash labs dash running. Or click the link on any of our recent podcasts on utilitymuffinlabs.com. Speaking of our website, you'll notice that we've added some Amazon and drive through RPG banners to our site. In addition, our newest VTM25 posts will have links to purchase the books that we talk about. Using those banners and links to buy those books helps us tremendously. Give them a click and help us earn a little bit. Lastly, we've recently set up a Patreon page. We've got a few rewards for our patrons so far, and we plan to bring more as time goes on. Visit our website for the link or go directly to patreon.com forward slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thank you for your continued support, and let's get to the show. Reminder from the American Medical Association. Games, games. Here's some games. Games that want to get out. See, more games. Don't pour sulfuric acid on your genitals. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I initially are. I'm a graduate of Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague, and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and I keep getting funnier every single time this I see This is the Nerd Words Podcast. You guys care to comment? What do you mean, like, buying some? On utilitymuffinlabs.com. Well, hello, Bob. Welcome to Nerd Words. This is a podcast where we talk about nerdy things. Yeah, out of sight, man. Thanks, Nate, for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. As always, we do live together, so it's kind of hard for you not to be on the podcast. Easy enough. Although I could lock you in your bedroom. You could. That'd and then dangerous. I could just record it myself in a stream of consciousness bit of nonsense. I just cover myself in Crisco and squeeze through the crack. Nice. Nicey nice. So we've been talking about some things. Well, first and foremost, we just got done recording our Clan Book Malkavian review, <laughs> and that was great. You should go listen to that if you're into that sort of thing. If you're not into that sort of thing, you're going to be real disappointed with this podcast because we're probably going <laughs> to continue to talk about it and talk about some other things we've been mulling about uh, since trying to kind of expand our our footprint, as it Open were. Open our mind. Open your mind. He's here. Quado is here. Quado. Uh, so uh, you, you had been discussing the possibility of doing like a regional LARP, like an actual meetup in person LARP type scenario. I do not get why you and I, for a long time, we actually, it's, it's not true that it was like suddenly lightning hit my brain. We said we want to run a quality game. Mm-hmm. We said we wanted quality people. Right. We said we want to have a standard that we didn't yield on. Right. Right, that, that we can control could be ours, right? Right. And more importantly, cuts the drama out of most people, right? Right. Right off the bat. Why not a regional game? Absolutely. And that game, you can guarantee you're getting quality people. Like, if I got an invite to a game and it was like, we want you, Bob, my last name, to be there. I think I've said it before. I don't know why I said it that way, but, anyway, <laughs> but it said that you know, and it was given to me, and it says we want you because you're you're a good role player. This is what you bring. You got strong talent. We have ideas. We think you'd like this game. You need to be here on this date at such and such time. I'd go. Right. I, I, w- want, I would go too. You want me at that point, which tells me the staff is more than engaging. They're very respectful of my time, and they absolutely want me to be there. 
Right. So when we talk about this, logistically speaking, what, what are some of the intentions? Like for me, if I was going to do this, I would want to do it once a month. No more than that, because it gives it, it, it allows you to realize one, this is a special event. This is an important thing. So I need to make sure that once a month I've got my Friday, my Saturday, whatever schedule cleared so I can go and enjoy this game Two, uh, location. One thing for me that is really sort of devaluing to a game, to a live action game especially, is having it at a open, public, everybody can show up location, like a college or like a um, a coffee a coffee bar or something like that, or a bar period, something something right. where you're going to break immersion. The goal about this is that we can set a scene, right, a locale. That you are free to be you and to be me, right? You're free to go in there and before game and you're safe, you're us, you get to know us, to have a few laughs with us. But when game is on, it's on and you're whatever creature you made right. and we're right to it. And honestly, I, I wouldn't have a problem doing it at a bar provided that the bar was rented out. Right. One thing that I think is the biggest detractor as a player from, from any game that I go to is when there are people that are present that are not participating in the game. They don't know what the game is. They don't know why you're there. And they're just there to have a good time or study or do whatever they're doing. To me, that super breaks immersion. Why you can have a really great time at shitty games is because those shitty games are run by people who rented a location. (laughs) Their location and the fact that there aren't other people there that are non-gamers like you can you can get away with a whole lot more going we've got this location and the only people present are the people playing this game for sure it 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 creates a much more immersive environment so that one we we definitely want to have a location that specifically is dedicated to the game two we want to be able to provide people with actual tangible things props uh costumes you know, pictures, things like that, things that like they can go, this is a much more immersive scenario. That's for me. I have, I have one of those creative minds. It's like, I want, I, if I, if I have a letter from an elder, I want to present you with a letter from the elder. I don't want to just go, Hey, yep. here's my phone. Here's what I wrote down on my one note or sent you on Facebook. And to that end, it's holding, you know, holding a standard and it says that there's no such thing as, Oh, boo hoo. I was sick. Oh, I didn't have time. All my life got no. It'd be something dedicated to where the staff has to be on point right. to deliver that that immersion, that experience. There's no you know no excuses type of thing. Right. But at the same time, if we're holding staff to that, we're holding players to that. Not yeah. to say you can't skip for because you're sick. I'm saying that right. you don't pull the fishy stories that are not really. You just want to stay at home because you didn't feel like it. If that's how you feel about the game, then you you don't like what we're doing. Right. And the question is, if you're passionate about what we have. You're probably not that person who received the invite if you're the type to play hooky. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. That's just how it goes. Right. Um, so uh, that brings me to my next question. Like, what are we talking about, like, dedicated numbers-wise? Like, what are we looking for, like, for player participation? For exclusivity, I'm looking for a max of 75 for exclusive, right? Right. This includes, a, okay, sure, we'll say about 30 people off and on will be there, may not. But a steady forty-five, a steady, a steady group is going right. to be there to represent a full f- flowing city with plot, with inclusion, narrative, the whole night. Right, and this is a pretty risky venture too, because once you start getting into like renting out locations, 
you need to have a certain amount of people because they have to put in their dollars. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, and, and, you know, that's the other thing, too. Like, of course, we love the concept of playing a game for free, but playing a game for free. That was high school. Right. You get what you give. You know, what you put in is what you're going to get back. And the fact of the matter is when you have a production like this, like the kind of scope that we're talking about, there is going to have to be a requirement of of money. You know, we we did a we did a game where we rented out like a it was like a Girl Scout camp house or something like that. It's like a bunkhouse basically. Right. And even just having that location made the game exponentially better. Just because it was an isolated location, it was dedicated and people knew like, "Hey, I got to put in my 2-3 or whatever to go to this game." And I think it made the value of that game so much better. Absolutely. And why, I mean, again, you already said why, but the purpose is quality is what we're talking here. Right. We're not talking, I want to eliminate, first and foremost, drama. Number one detractor to any game is that a group of people getting together are going to have dramatic responses to in and out of game interactions. I want to create a safe environment where your out of game is, is not involved here. Right. That if you're coming here and you have, if you are a husband and wife, and you, one, received the invitation, which is something that both enjoyed it, they can come. If you had a, a spout or a fight that night, I don't want to see it in-game. Right, of course. I don't even want to see it brought to you. It's none of our business is what it comes down to. But as I said, it's not high school anymore. When it was high school, you didn't know how to conduct yourself exactly around certain social norms. You were figuring it out. And, you know, you kind of came with the territory yeah. when you did game back in the day. And we called that a golden era. I don't think that was a golden era. I don't. I think a lot of crazy shit happened that's funny now that was just dramatic right. back then when you think about it. I don't want to do that now. We got people, you know, from uh, mid-20s up who love this game still and want to want a place where they can actually apply that wisdom that they gleaned from bad game experiences, bad player experiences, bad storyteller experiences, and go where they can go, you know what? I want to play concept. I want to have fun. Right. I want to be in a story. Absolutely. I, I feel like it's key to avoid the clickishness of you know uh, the mid-90s shit that we dealt with constantly because it's it's distracting from the game you know people pay money people dedicate their time to go and play this game and play it live action it can be very very rewarding i'm uh i'm eliminating rock paper scissors i just want to get to that meat because i want to kill your attention to this mm -hmm. no rock paper scissors everybody has a smartphone we're not gonna be using your live action seat sheet i'm not i don't care about your traits we're going to be using not the live action book. It's going to be the tabletop books. Everybody can get these. It's V20 revised, very easy to get. Everyone's going to have them. You can build a character out of there with valid content without a short abbreviated BS. It's real. This is the vampire experience, except you're acting it out. Why is it important? I can store your character so your smartphone can pick it up. I can also have, you can put a die roller on there and with the history that you can see where if you succeed or fail, it takes less than a second. For you to, you know, storytellers like roll for initiative, boom, here it is. Cool. What are you doing? I'm gonna affect him with this. Cool, roll it out. What do you do? Roll it out. What are you gonna do? Roll it out. And but when everybody gets used to that, instead of it being 30 people on one taking five hours to run, it should take no less than a half hour. Mm -hmm. Half hour at most. And that's because people are acting. Right. You know, because the results are instant, aren't they? It's boom, 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 done. And you get to see what it is. And it's a brilliant system. It's a brilliant way to do it. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying. As I sat playing light or playing um, tabletop with my normal friends, running a game, 
I was laughing at how many of them are fumbling around looking for dice. <laughs> right. I get a die pool of 10. Good luck finding. Oh, it rolled under the couch. Oh, it's off the plate. Fair play. It's on the ground. And you're diving for it. And I'm like, we playing dice in the hood? <laughs> and I'm like, cool, man. Eight of my NPCs just, I know what's going on immediately because I did that. Right. And the narration doesn't stop. There's no break because I already did the die roll. Yeah, no, it's a good idea. I mean, uh, I hadn't really thought about it too much because we really haven't discussed it at all. But, uh, I mean, so it sounds like a good idea to me. I mean, uh, from my experience and what little bit I read of the new live-action rules, the By Night Studios rules, uh, what I've read I'm not a fan of. Sure. Uh, I don't. I don't, I don't like the way that, I don't like the changes that have been made, and I don't feel like they've streamlined the system because at all. relied on fans to make the book with no idea of balance. Mm-hmm. They just don't care about balance. They want the powers they want, and they want the ability to, to use them, and the, what they know is the live-action book is the Bible. Right. You don't argue with it. Hey, man, it's in the book. I can use it, which puts such a strain on a storyteller to go, well... If I lost some of this, I got to balance it out. Every asshole is going to want burning wrath for two points. You know, so things- so what, what's what's important here? What is important here, at least in the interpretation of what you've stated and in my own perce- perspective, what's important is staying true to the canon material, the rules and the, the game that was created by White Wolf. Well, I mean, the tabletop books are <laughs> they are the book. They, they are the rules. They are the powers. They are all of that. So why do we need to play rock, paper, scissors? Why are you reinventing the wheel? Right. It's already been done. Your LARP sucks. And I mean, not your LARP isn't your troop and your people acting, as in the rules often in LARP are what ruin a LARP. Right. You know. What is the other thing that's important? And this is where I'm going to piggyback off of what you're saying. It's maintaining that consistency of the game, staying in character. Right. Keeping the flow going. There's nothing worse to me than going to a large LARP and inevitably a fight's going to break out because you got 75 people with badass characters and they all want to fight. And now we're going to spend four hours on a 30 second scene. Just, just playing rock, paper, scissors, throwing chops, going, no, nah, I got this. I can rebid. I can overbid. I could do this. I 10 people with dice rollers. That takes 10 seconds. Exactly. But, oh, yep. Yeah, I hit a button on my phone. Oh, your phone is dead? Guess what? Your friend has one. <laughs> right. dead. We we have or, one for you. <laughs> or we'll establish a charge station. Right. And you can go stand over there for a hot minute and you know, monitor your own phone. We're not gonna be responsible for that. But you you know, here's a charge station, bring your plug in and plug it in, do what you gotta do. Right. You know, most people should have an idea now that your phone comes right. quite a long time and, on a bad. And, and to be fair, most point. most people I think know the tabletop game better than they know the live action game. Well, I think it's reverse. I think people know the live action game better than they know the tabletop game and the reason being is is because it was less books to purchase so you went the cheap route and even then you only purchased them when you absolutely couldn't borrow somebody else's book and you didn't even read the whole book you just had an idea which by the way not a good way to go about getting no. into a game where it's important for you to know things so let's let's talk about that for a moment uh we'll we'll put the the game that we're someday going to do on the back burner why do you think it is that so many people that played this game never bothered to read the books let's let's talk about what live action is right that's the answer and uh the answer is is inclusion mm-hmm. it's a group of misfits at school got it up there got a hair to, to try out a wild gothic game to go play in a park and have fun and pretend to be vampires and people heard different 
Mm-hmm. They heard different that didn't require books, and they can go do it. And and people said, "Hey, man, don't worry about it. I own a book. I'll lend it to you. How about you make a character? You come with me. You come with me to this thing because in numbers there was safety. Right. It's every LARP. If I come with five or a group of three or a group of two, uh, even just a duo, I'm going to be better off than on my own because we can form our own little network, our own little clique to sit with and kind of watch events unfold." And within that click, I can kind of, at my pace, go ahead and act out and do whatever. Yeah, that's fair. But And, and I think that's the exact reason uh, people, you know, just didn't have their own book. It's kind of weird to me that uh, I don't think I've ever played any other game. Like, no one ever went, hey, man, we're going to play Shadowrun. Do you want to come over and play Shadowrun? And I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to read the book at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to bother. No, I don't, I don't need to know any of that stuff. I mean, there always is like a pickup. You know, like, oh, hey, you know, uh, Nate is interested in it. And, you know, he's I've seen him role play. He's pretty good. And you know, he's kind of cool guy to have around. And he's going to bring a bunch of sodas and chips. Do you mind if he makes a character? Yeah, but you're responsible for him and he needs to read the book. And then interesting how that works, too. It's because it's because tabletop, you're right in front of him. Right. You're front and center of everybody. What you know and what you don't know is going to be found out quickly. Right. Right then. And. Don't think it's draconic. People are going to be like, oh, man, that's cool. You don't know. I'll help them out, man. Continue with the scene. Hey, man, what you want to do is look at this rule, that stat, right. dice, blah, blah, blah. Right. Do you remember when we talked about how you made that character and you needed to have this and this? Yeah. Okay. So this is what we're going to do now. Read this part here, and then we'll get back to you. And I think people feel that in ignorance, if you admit that you're, oh, man, I'm ignorant to this topic. I don't really understand it. But that's somehow admitting a weakness. It's not. It's just admitting you don't know, and you're asking for help. That's what that means. And there's a lot of people who are like, Whose friend is this? <laughs> Who brought this loser who doesn't know what I love and awesome that I have and own? And you're like, dude, calm down. Right. I, I got it. Be a buddy. Be a pal. Right. Get over yourself. But you have, if you're that person who doesn't know, you can't go, oh, man, I read it. I just, you know, I forgot that. Right. Don't, you don't need to. Uh, number one, don't lie. <laughs> right. In all things, don't lie. <laughs> doesn't do anything or anyone any good. No. And that's true in anything. For our listeners, we know it's not just vampire you guys are into, although that's where we all met on, right? But the other aspect is is that you probably played Dungeons and Dragons with similar feel. Any game that you've played, it's the same thing. Rinse and repeat. Now, a big part of this whole live action thing, though, are groups in general, social groups. Mm-hmm. You like draws to like, yeah. right? And that happens real quick externally, right? Out of game, just an eyesight. Mm-hmm. You know, people are going to want to hang out with the cool kids. And who's cool kids? The attractive people. Those they find to just be so enigmatic, sometimes intimidating. And it works the reverse. But usually it's, I want to hang out with that person. He seems funny. Yeah. The funniest, the most entertaining, the most engaging, the most charismatic. Those people stand out in the crowd. That's who people want to be near or be about or be with. Definitely. So um, can we talk a little bit about werewolf? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, that. So for those of you that uh, are not our friends, uh, we, we've, uh, we've got a long history of the live-action role-playing games, like obviously we've been talking about for a moment here. But for a long time, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I have no interest in playing the game anymore. I, I, I'm just I'm, I'm fed up with it. I'm bored with it. Insert reason here. A lot of it has to do with people and that whole clickish behavior. And just, you know, over time, you're like, eh. Fuck it. I don't want to do it anymore. So 
Um, how long have we been playing in the mage game now? For like, yeah, probably like six months, right? At least six months. Shit, it doesn't feel like that, but probably. Yeah. So, so it's it's been a while. It's been it's been at least a couple of months, and uh, I I have never had an interest in mage whatsoever. I've just been like, I don't care to know Not it. Don't give a fuck about it. Not something I'm interested in. But a friend of ours, who is a pretty solid storyteller, was like, "Hey, I'm running a game." Blah, blah, blah. I was like, you know what? I'll give it a go. I'll give it a try because this person who I can trust their storytelling ability, I'll give it a try. So I kind of come out of retirement, right? We we both, <laughs> Bob and I and another friend of ours who's been on the podcast before. That's Phil. Uh, we decided, all right, we'll we'll give it a go. We'll we'll make these concepts that we like and we'll go play in this game. And it's mostly been fun. It's there's been drama, but that's to be expected with the concepts that we made. Uh, and uh, so there's another storyteller who decided uh, that the, she wanted to run a Sabat game. But let's be clear. Yeah. Yeah. When we mention drama, typically drama is a negative connotation. Right. There's good and bad drama. This is the good type. Right. This is We're character driven this drama, is game character driven conflict. That's all good. Right. And, you know, we're we're very much like he, we we have an in game and we have an out of game and never the two shall meet. We keep it separate. You know, it's a separation of church and state when we're at game and we're in character. We're not friends with you. We're not enemies with you. We're whatever our characters are doing. But that's that uh, we decided to, uh in addition to that, one of the players there, uh, she wanted to run a Sabat game. So we said, yeah, we'll give it a try. And we made, in my opinion, these really fucking awesome characters. Like, oh, we maybe went a little too far. Right, right. We, we, we did it out. Right. We we made these concepts. And it just, the game just didn't hit the mark for us. Uh, I didn't personally feel that the storyteller had a keen enough understanding of the Sabbat. Or maybe just vampire in general. And uh, so for me, I was like, yeah, I have no interest in going back to this game. But... Later on down the road, the same storyteller said, well, I'm going to run a werewolf game. And I said, well, maybe maybe this maybe she's got a better understanding of werewolf. Maybe, you know, and, you know, of course, we hear the hype like, hey, it's every other Friday. Everybody's going. It's always a hype. man. It's fucking great. It's fantastic. And so, of course, we're like, yeah, let's give it a try. And we decide that we're going to play a, a pack of bonars. <laughs> and, uh, and and this is important. Mage is a game we detested. We didn't care to know it. Didn't want to even deal with that headache, but we stepped out of our comfort box. Why right. we want to grow as what we feel it as, as podcasters, we got shows that we're doing. We got to step out the comfort zone to encompass the whole audience. Try all the things we don't like, and it may surprise you. Right. So bonars we didn't like. <laughs> right. Bonars are kind of uh, you know kind of whack. You know, but uh, I believe it was said. I don't want to play a war hobo. <laughs> it's right. how it goes. Right. But you know what? We're we're dedicated. Let's make bonars and let's make what we think a decent bonar concept would be. And uh we kinda did that. <laughs> we did exactly that. We we made we made bonars and realized that holy shit, we're actually pretty good. I mean we're good, we knew that, but we're like, you know, bonars, man, we never play, we don't understand. We read them and we were this stream of thought on like ideas and what we could do and little quirks and things for immersion, get people to understand us, to you know, get involved with us. And we tried it at this live action game. And the first time we were there at that game, it was the Bob and Nate show. You know, and then, you know, when, when Phil got finished with his character, he stepped in and just drew a crowd. 
like there was literally a moment where we sat around and we were we were watching that the players were just watching us interact with a few people. That's it. Right. And he, uh, Bob is playing a character named Wise Old Owl. Right. And uh, old wise owl. Yes, it's, it's him. <laughs> and uh talks real fast, but like in that that like sudden aggressive uh, <laughs> like you can't really understand what he's saying kind of voice. And he just doles out the knowledge. And uh just uh like uh, I don't I didn't see your character, but like um it seemed to me like you have a an understanding of a little bit of everything. Yes. It's and it's like it's like fifty percent truth and fifty percent bullshit, but like you have you have a grain of truth about everything, a little bit of knowledge about everything. Uh meanwhile, I decided to play a character that uh um is disturbed yeah disturbed De- definitely like like seems like a, a, a gentleman who maybe might have done a little bit too many drugs he looks like a recovering speed addict <laughs> right. who may have switched to crack to wean him off of speed and then went into the clinic we realized how bad that was so now all i do is i just eat candy constantly like he's <laughs> It got so bad. He bought for props. We stopped at this Seven uh, Eleven, which is uh, for a white hen or equivalent. Just, just the. If you don't know what Seven Eleven is, then then you listen to the wrong podcast. Like a pantry place <laughs> that you may have in Europe, because we know we have European artists as well. And you go in there, get snacks, give a little quick thing, whatever. Nate goes in and gets like twenty dollars worth of snacks. I I, I like chips and candies just and just garbage like garbage belly material. Because I'm like, oh, I'm this the whole time I play this character, I'm just gonna eat the whole time. Yeah, so um, this is hysteric. As it turns out, like you, you eating twenty dollars worth of snacks, uh, probably not the best idea. <laughs> when you go from a, a diet of healthy stuff, portions and all that stuff, you know, trying to, you know, do do justice as we all try every day, to just man, all of a sudden I'm fourteen again. I'm gonna eat this whole bag of junk. Yeah, he was lively. Oh, dude, he couldn't sit still. I was watching Nate. He has this mannerism where he like sh- does this weird shuffle as he talks to you, where he's forward on his left foot, back at his right yeah, foot. So I, I decided to rubbing his fingers together. I decided to do the the like the drug addict shuffle with this character. The drug addict shuffle. So is like awesome. I'm I'm constantly dancing and constantly at like going up to people and asking them the same questions I've already asked them before and like. Just, just like Mid-sense. off the wall non sequiturs, right? Uh, you start a start a conversation with someone and just trail off halfway through and go and talk to somebody else and like have no idea that you like just getting it immersed into this but character. What's the kicker? You're the pack alpha. You're the leader. Yes, I'm the leader of the pack. <laughs> I am the pack alpha. He has a Pez dispenser that he stuffs random pills in that he finds, <laughs> and he takes them. And some days it's a good day, and it's something that'll keep him down. Some days he's up. Usually it's just like probably some old folk medication, right? Not even meant for him. That didn't. Who knows? Some aspirin. Like, just crazy <laughs> things. And uh, you know, the, so we're just playing these characters. We're 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 grooving on like the kind of idiosyncrasies of of these characters. And the first week is awesome. It's fun. Like we have a blast and. You know, people like they want to they want to interact with these characters because nobody at this game is is playing a character that's like these deeply involved in like character attributes. Do you know what I mean? Like I.E. acting. Right. They're we're, in. We are those characters. Right. We're not so much concerned about the werewolf end of it as much as we are concerned about the character end of it and like how that plays into this city. And the first week we play. Like nobody tells us anything about what's going on. We we don't know shit about what's going on. We don't know shit about the Cairn. We don't know shit about the rights. We don't know shit. We we know shit from shit. We're just a couple of bone nars hanging out at this Cairn. 
and uh, they they start to try to get us involved in some of their plot. And if you don't know werewolf, because you're a vampire fan, you're listening. Werewolves have these special holy sites where they put uh, totems. They're very totemic. It's an animistic religion that werewolves have, and it's but it's an actual animistic religion. The spirits are real. The totems that are represented are real. And the special sites where the totems are strongest, where they gather that energy, the werewolves are sworn protectors that defend those areas, and they make them cairns. That's just what they're called. And it's a spiritual site. That's that's basically your guaranteed hangout for every werewolf game. Right. And so they, they start to include us, and in, in the, there's a couple other packs. They start to tell us about some of the things that are going on in the city. And apparently there's this temple, and in this temple there's a bunch of followers of Set, a bunch of vampires. Well, we don't know. I don't know fuck all about and vampires. ridiculous. You know, in acting in character, I'm thinking that's the biggest hook, line, and sinker story I ever heard of, period. Right. You know, like, wow. And, and we come to find out some things about the people in the city, and apparently they've already tried to deal with certain things, but their way of dealing with things is very uh, smash mouth. Like, let's go light this temple on fire. Well, we can't light the temple on fire because it's a... Uh, it's it's an important place in Chicago. So the it's, flaw with playing werewolf is that it's a it's a direct disconnect from the howling or any werewolf you've ever heard of. You know, yes, you have that war form. Yes, the phases of the moon do affect you, but it's different uh, from from all of that because you're a hero. It's that simple. The game's called Rage, right? Where or Rage Werewolf the Apocalypse, Rage, whatever you want to call it, in those two aspects. But it is all about you trying to control this animal side of you constantly it's to the point to where if you play a werewolf uh the rage you get puts people off they know you're a predator they know there's something dangerous about you and they could feel it and one of the best description is is that you know you have rage and the more you have of it the more people will avoid you like cross the street instead of being in your way because that's how dangerous you feel to them so there's a point of isolation for them which suits a werewolf fine i mean it's very much in house with what their instincts are but the werewolves are people too. There is a, a half that understands what cars are, you know, technology, the whole nine. And, you know, obviously there's an end that doesn't have to, you can role play that too. But in this particular instance, when you think about we're playing hobos in the city of Chicago, hanging out the Wrigley field, Cairn, there's, you would think we made the Cairn. I mean, that's what it would seem like bone arrows got together and decided Wrigleyville is awesome. Particularly Wrigley field, go Cubs, uh, to, to be protecting. Now, why this is all very strange is because when you soak it all in, what you have is two people playing war hobos, we'll call them bonars, who are supposed to be downtrodden. We're not supposed to be regaled as super interesting or what have you, or even really wanted at the Cairn because of tribal politics. It should be all about the other tribes. Well, how players take, take this most often in a live action game is, our goal is to be a werewolf and fuck shit up. We're supposed to take the fact that we could turn into these rip-roaring, nine-foot-tall, muscle-bound monstrosities, and we should rip apart everything that the storyteller gives. And they try to pigeonhole storytelling into saying 30 people get together every week, and their sole job is to annihilate physically with this boring tooth and claw without thought or concern for the after-effects every obstacle that ever gets in their way. Right, it's, a, it's kind of like... A lot of times it devolves into like a superhero game. Like there's a there's an obvious enemy, go out and kill that enemy and come back and you get success and glory and you go up in rank and you're you're a badass, you're powerful, you're awesome. 
Like you're playing a video game. Right. But the game, the actual game, the way that it's written is sure there's time for that. There's a place for that. But it's it's intricate. It's politics. It's living in a world where you can't just run around and murder folk. Consequences. Right. Exactly. You know, now, like the real world. This falls on the storyteller as much as the players, though. Players have to acknowledge their role in it. Storytellers acknowledge that they have to bring the consequences. If you're listening to this at all for storytelling tips, that's the number one golden rule from Bob that you will ever need to know about storytelling. It's great you okayed the players. They need consequences. If you let them do whatever they want and you do not bring realistic consequences to what they are doing, you do not have a game where there's a semblance of story or control. You just have your players running around doing whatever they want and you trying to tell a story that they're wrecking yeah. and it's, and it's not the player's fault. Your job as a storyteller is to be professional enough to provide discipline and to say no when no needs to be said and to cite the reasons why so that the adults can understand why that's the decision you have chosen. Even if that why is as simple as, you know what, for this type of game, I don't need that right now. Right. That's just not an appropriate thing to, to bring to this game. That said, not so, this werewolf right. game. So, uh, and, and, you know, whatever. We're, it is what it is. We're, you know, we're happy playing our characters. And, and for us, at least for me, it's always key. Just be happy playing your character. Do the best that you can with your character and just deal with the shit that comes your way. So they devise this plot where we're going to go and we're going to sneak into this this temple and we're going to somehow identify all of these setites. And we're like, yeah, we're going to throw a barbecue. It's the simplest way. <laughs> we're we're going to throw a barbecue. How do you find a vampire, man? You gonna find a vampire by you. Uh, invite them all to go meet some barbecue rib tips. <laughs> ain't no man, ain't no man alive and ignore some rib tips. But if they don't eat, them's the dead ones. Right. So, uh... <laughs> We were like, yeah, we're going to, I'm going to pull my influence because I made a character with influence. I was like, fuck it, man. I'm a bum on the street. I'm in the know. I, I'm a recovering drug addict. I'm in the know. I know people. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to use some of those ins and we're going to, we're going to arrange for a barbecue. Except, uh, like I have a full-time job, record two podcasts, do a bunch of other bullshit. And during the week, that just slipped my mind. Right, just just forgot about it. Just, just fucking forgot about it. So Friday before game, Bob's like, hey, did you ever submit that influence? And I was like, what influence? Right. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, well, we got to roll with it. Yeah. So we're just going to roll with it. So we get to game and they're like, hey, did you do that thing? And we're like, what thing? What are you talking about? <laughs> and then, right, we just play like, huh? <laughs> we're just like, what? We don't even know. We don't remember. I have no idea what you're talking about. And more importantly, to give that catch 22, our pack's called Lou Malnati's, <laughs> right. which is like, a, I won't say world famous, but it's definitely an American favorite. Right. It's a uh, Chicago for, pizza company. We're known for this pizza company's deep dish. Right. Them and Uno's, but Lou Malnati's is definitely known. And we just called ourselves that because that's actually the place we hang out in the back. Right. That's our pack name. <laughs> we literally pilfer their, their dumpster for food. And, and most comments, that's our pack. Well, this guy thought that was so great. And we're in Chicago game. We're in Chicago that he just steady bought our characters all the Luminati's we can eat for the whole week. Right. So we had pizza. We didn't need to have a barbecue. So we're bloated and fat on cheese and grease. That's been a meal, steady diet, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We're sluggish. I came in there eating lactate, <laughs> talk about his stomach hurts and whatnot. Right. You know, so, so we're much more subdued. And uh, <laughs> right. And, and, and by the way, we were supposed to eat barbecue. <laughs> and now we're pissed at where the barbecue at. Right. We were the ones who were supposed to get it, which is the fun. Part. Right. And uh, so the the 
uh, alpha of this other pack, she's like, hey, you know, you were supposed to do this barbecue, da 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 da. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no recollection of this conversation whatsoever. And again, I'm playing to the fact that I, I might have done a multitude of different drugs during the week. I'm fairly unreliable. Right, I'm fairly unreliable. <laughs> <laughs> says the recovering drug addict <laughs> right <laughs> uh i'm not allowed to drink alcohol uh because i'm taking it one day at a time <laughs> and so you know they're like oh well shit uh now we have to do this and so we start engaging them like okay what's going on what are we supposed to be doing what are we supposed to be finding and it, we're able to determine that a and b don't know what c is doing that apparently everybody is like they already know who the vampires are so it's almost like a completely pointless endeavor right. for us to even have done this luckily we didn't we didn't waste what little resources we have on it we find out that uh because we're action oriented we, we we're like okay granted we enjoy role-playing these characters but also we don't want to just sit around and do nothing there's another half to this like our characters is a front we play to a stereotype right to elicit people to underestimate us that's the point. And also to treat us as we've always been treated. The Bonaros have a very understanding that we're all the downtrodden because the other tribes think we have little value, but we're always the one to make that sacrifice, to offer up our soldiers to do what they need to do. If that's lay it down or help out in any capacity, we're the ones who can do that. You know, sort of like uh, the jack of all trades, but an entire group. Right. You know, carte blanche. So when we're here, smiles and wiles and jokes and voices and whatnot, deep down, it's we're infiltrators yeah we get the real info we handle the real problems that's what we sort of built and so uh we did build right we, and we we uh we follow a totem that assists us in that it's uh not a really well-known totem uh but it basically it, it we never go into a situation unless we have the upper hand well it's called the totem's called cuckoo which if you don't know the cuckoo bird and one of its things that it uh takes its eggs and sneaks them into another bird's nest and tricks those parents into raising their chicks <laughs> right. to come later on and take them and run away. <laughs> so it's a, it's a great idea for a totem I find very interesting and unusual, right, for these big brutish wolves. And why it's cool is because their natural ability, the cuckoo, teaches you how to infiltrate any group and seem like you belong. Perfect, right? Ideal uh, for anybody who's looking to play infiltrators. And that's the point. You know, and it's, that's that. And, and along the animistic, you have bands as well. Uh, but our band's not to miss out on an opportunity. Right. Right? Because naturally, Cuckoo doesn't miss out on an opportunity. Doing that to Ness is doing other things, so we got to do it too. So we find out about this uh, plot that's going on in the game. That uh, th There's a book that White Wolf released many, many years ago. It's called The Midnight Circus. And it's uh, to break it down for you in, in sort of simple terms, it's, it's a bad place. It's a place where this circus goes from town to town and essentially collects things collects people if the horror films collaborative version of satan decided he was going to have his minions make a, a carnival that's this place right that's the easiest way to explain it if you don't know a lot of the terms we're just going to do that right there it is and so we find out about this place and they're like yeah you know you guys you guys like to go places and find stuff out so you should go here and you should see what you can figure out and we're like yeah okay we need a ride we don't have a car Right. <laughs> like literally, we told us like anybody got bus fare. <laughs> right. We need a taxi. Anybody got a phone? They got this thing called Uber. <laughs> right. Can y'all give us a ride? And so the uh, alpha of this pack, she's willing to give us a ride. We're gonna go there. And they just levy all these warnings beforehand. Don't do this. Don't go here. Don't go there. 
don't do any of these things. Cause like this you were is... going to your ma's house, you know, <laughs> ma's very sensitive and be right. respectful. Right. So of course we're like, yeah, fuck all that. We knew that. Right. <laughs> so, cause it's very unique. The bonaros have gifts to help them survive damn near anything. If you get high up enough. So, uh, we, we took those gifts to be able to survive the scenarios we get into. And, uh, so this, this ride from this alpha turns into her entire pack is going with us. And we're like, yeah, whatever. More the merrier. Who gives a shit? It is a circus. Right. We're just going to go here. And, uh, you know, the storyteller, to a credit, does a great job describing. Scene. Right. Just des- describes I, all the stuff. That. I've, a long time I've done this. I won't repeat it. We've done stated it a bunch of times. She's really good at portraying the circus. Right. Really good. Super descriptive. So they tell us, you know, first when we go in, don't eat this because this is going to, you know, it's going to be bad for you if you do. And we're like, all right, cool. So the first thing we do. And it's funnel cakes. Right. It's funnel cakes. You just told us don't go to, don't eat the yummiest thing right. ever. Folks, I can fuck up a funnel cake. <laughs> we go to a fair, in real life, if there's a funnel cake and you have it, I'm having some. If I have it, you allowed to have some because it's a federal crime to deny anybody some of the funnel cake you have because it's that good. Right. So, of course, we eat the funnel cake. <laughs> and eat the shit out and of they're, it. They're, they're... Like, and folks, we pretend to eat it. I'm reminiscing now what a funnel cake smells like. It was so good. And uh, so they're like. They're like getting pissed off because we're eating the funnel cake. And they're like, we told you not to eat the funnel cake. And we're like, yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with the funnel cake. We're good. And clearly it's more about control, right? They want us to listen to them and we get that out of game. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the role play is. Right. That's not what our characters are. That's not what our concepts are. And uh, so, you know, we we have a little interaction with the storyteller. We move on. And uh, I don't remember exactly how it erupted, but basically... Uh, your character was like, yo, let's play some dice. <laughs> it erupted because after eating funnel cake, this is what happened. To, to, to highlight what their warning was, we found out why I don't eat the funnel cake. We we didn't really care because we used it to our advantage. Right. This is how cuckoo, right? Whatever advantage you get. And so I was like, oh, God damn, this funnel cake's good. Man, everybody, y'all have this funnel cake. It's so damn good. Funnel cake is amazing. And like 30 people who are randomly doing other things just get in line holding out their money. <laughs> and then I switched it. I made it an advantage. I was like, hey, everybody who ever heard my promo about this funnel cake in line right now need to give me a dollar. And so I got $30. Right. It was 30 people. And I had my money to now play Chicago Dice. <laughs> right? And uh, we're like, yeah, let's do this dice game. And we, and we say that. And I'm like, cool. Let's find somewhere we can have a corner of the wall. We can kneel down and start betting on some dice. We're all about it. We're ready to go role play it. And basically, the devil in a top hat rolls out yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you want to play dice? Well, come with me into the gambling tent or whatever they called it. And uh, we go into this tent and this tent's decked out. It's extravagant. There's every type of gambling you could imagine. There's uh, roulette and blackjack and you know all kinds of poker and et cetera. And everything's beautiful and, and you know, well-made and just like fancy as shit. And we're like, oh. Big dollars over here. Okay. <laughs> We're like, let me tell you, big time, big time. I'm going to need one piece of cardboard, <laughs> a corner of your finest concrete, and you bringing some cash, dollar bills over here. And she, she role played it well. It looked at me like, you piece of sh-. And I was like, that's the look I needed. <laughs> and it's like, well, right over here. Well, the point of it is, we're not going to play your game. Right. That's the point. And by the way, we have loaded dice. Like we absolutely are going to try to cheat. And uh, so we, you know, we go over and we clear off the cards off of the the blackjack table, and we set up our piece of cardboard. And uh, 
So this this uh, ringmaster gambler, whoever he was, you know, he's like, okay, let's let's play, let's let's set the stakes, and he pulls out a stack of cash, like four grand cash, and throws it down, and we're like. Who do you think you're playing with? I literally said in a quote, yo, man, that's shoe money. <laughs> you're like, what? what's shoe money? Shoes money so much you keep in your damn shoes so no one get to it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we ain't got no shoe money. <laughs> we're like, yeah, we're going to we're gonna start a little bit lighter. How about that? And uh, I believe at this point, the, the character took the money away and brought out the fetishes. Yeah. And uh, which fetishes are relics that tribes can have you know uh happy spirits is the best way i can put it i don't want to bog it down with like the rules explanation but basically they coax their spiritualists among the world of tribes that coax spirits to inhabit items to grant benefits to their warriors and those are the fetishes she brings this this guy brings out and uh so we're like yeah uh we don't know what any of that stuff is but uh that looks really expensive too so uh, one of them is like a like a tiara, like a cobra tiara that like a, a, a pharaoh would wear. And the other one was like this piece of cloth, like this stained up, like, you know, Leather old chunk. Right. This old piece of cloth. And uh, we're like, we don't know what the fuck those are, but they look important <laughs> and we don't have anything to offer up. So how about this? How about we start off real low and we just play for hats? And he's like, he's like, oh, okay. And I take off my knit cap and I throw it in the middle and he takes off his top hat and puts it in the middle. And fucking Bob's character's like, I'm up first. Hot hands in a dice game. Right. Ka-chink, ka-chink, rolls a seven. Loaded Thank you. Dice. Thank you very much. We will take your hat. <laughs> and he's like, eh, I don't need a hat, whatever. But I'm like, fuck that, man. I got something that belongs to you now. Right. Whoever you are, I have something that's yours. We can find you. Right. Literally at this point, we were like, mission accomplished. Right. We're going to find this cat and we're going we're gonna to jack him up later. Right. That's our point. And so now, but now we got to get out of here. Right. So he takes the dice and he's like, oh, I roll them. And he, uh, he uses his, his magic. We find out he's a mage. Like we find out out of character. We don't know in character he's a mage, but we know he's something fucked up in character anyways. And, uh, he just rolls a dice and, and uses his magic to manipulate it into a seven. And we're like, hold up. Clearly you don't understand how this game is played now. And, and also this is the insidiousness of us. He grabbed my dice, which are loaded threw them, and it came up seven. And when I just looked at him and I'm laughing because because name's smiling too, that those are loaded dice. <laughs> and so and but they just use magic to make sure they come up a seven. I'm like those are really loaded dice. You know what I mean? Like anyway, we slice it. You the one who made the dice bad. Not right. Us. Right. And uh, so we're like, hold up. You don't get to roll again because he just won and he gets to keep rolling until he loses. And he's like, oh, well, then let's play for these these pieces of uh you know these relics these these whatever he pulls out the pulls out the the uh the two pieces of of you know the two two fetishes whatever they are and uh we're like yeah so we we still aren't playing for those because we don't know what the fuck those are and he's like well this one is uh the cobra that's so and so wore and it, it's something that is important to some egyptian silent strider warrior use this right yeah cool and we're like yeah we don't give a fuck and then, and then, uh, you know, the characters build Hickox Bonar code, right? Like you know, added Bonar, so letting us know that he definitely is something special because he knew what we were off right, the bat, right? And we're like, yeah, who cares? Literally said it. I quote: "If you got his coat, he died in it. Number one, <laughs> number two, it didn't help him. <laughs> right. So we need right. damn we coat. don't give a fuck. Like Bonar is not really a tribe super hip on tradition. Nope." <laughs> uh, 
we're like word of mouth living in in you know hand to mouth dumpster or hobos right we don't we don't really give a fuck like we ain't we ain't trying to win back the ancient coat of wild bill hickok who was apparently a bonar there's a tribe that has a right called right of the silver sword we have right of the cardboard mansion <laughs> see what i'm saying that's levels of class folks to let you know what we got going <laughs> right, on if right, you get that flavor right. you want some hobo chili we got you covered we can make you some hobo chili you that's- want somebody's coat did they leave it somewhere <laughs> we'll go we'll go get it if they left it on the bench but but so we're sitting here and in, from our perspective we're like this is getting dangerous because one of the guys happens to be a silent strider and he knows that fetish and he jumps he's up and i give credit to this actor him acting the role he was riveted like that was super important to him like that has to come back home mm-hmm. and he had to have it i saw that he had to have it and i was you know we were suddenly mixed because we realized shit we're infiltrators they're destroy everything right and we're like well, they gotta go and we're like yo man you know and y'all get out of here like i'm giving her i'm giving their alpha every sign that she needs to step like thanks for the ride you can go now you know no big deal no i'm good no i'm good no i'm good okay yeah you know getting to the point where like we're definitely not leaving now like okay well and we get it it's a scene right. you're in it too you get storyteller you don't want to leave that's cool but the way the scene turned this guy we we said tell you what man we don't want to play for your fetishes we want to play for that girl you got locked up in a cage up here in these grounds yeah because so- after he tipped he knew what we were we just threw it on the table this is what we're about this is why we're here we need to get that girl out done mm-hmm. and uh, i don't know if you explained that or, or not but no. uh we hear mentioned before we come to the circus that there's um there's uh, a werewolf who is like the last remaining member of her tribe. The tribe has, uh, of is, a tribe long thought extinct, right? Died. And that, you know, this carnival kind of does that. It, it collects oddities and she happens to be an oddity. And so we're like, yeah, this is worthwhile. This is important for us to be here to find her so she can get her fucking tribe back. So, so the guru nation can get this tribe back. And we're like, fuck it. What will you take in trade? Right, just name it. I gotta pee real quick. Yeah, and what he tells us says nothing. We're like, what do you mean? Nah, man. You have a price. No one who gambles ever says nothing has a price. And so he goes, fine. We'll take very, very shifty, by the way. He's like, we'll take five werewolves of my choosing for her. And immediately, without blinking, the character's like, yep, name them. And he was like, really? And I was like, we'll black bag him tonight. I don't care who it is. You name five, we will take care of five. Now, remember, the dual edge goal here is to, one, keep them here. Because he admitted that he had this girl in a cage. which I don't, We didn't care at this point. We didn't see her. We can't confirm her importance. But it's some poor girl trapped in a cage with the devil ringmaster. We got to get her out. It's that simple. But we can't have this carnival pack up and leave once we're here. We also can't endanger those who came with us. So the goal is, is to get those who came with us to leave. And so I knew that if my character, my character knew wise old Al, right? That if I piss them off, they're going to leave. That's just a given. So I'm like, cool, man. Here's, we'll do that deed. No problem. He's my alpha though. You need to talk to him. And, and Nate's my alpha. He's like, hell yeah. You heard him. It's done. What else? Like, like just what you, what you going to offer? What you need? And so... What immediately happens is those players in this scene are pissed. 
because we spent one week, everybody's friends, their friends here, they gave us a lift. Suddenly we're selling them up a river because they don't even know what five are picked yet, just that there are five. Well, the storyteller beautifully had five in mind and she let that sink in and goes, well, she's one and points at the chick who gave us a ride, points at the other two members of her pack and names two that are sitting back at the Cairn, all of them players. So that's a great thing she did there. It does build intrigue, danger, all that. Right. Builds that drama that's good drama. And they're pissed. Oh, out of their minds. Like out of game pissed even. So much so that in game we're we're now gonna they're gonna kill us. And one of them pulls this wicked silver blade and is looking at we're like, whoa. And and Nate's like, let me get this straight. In the house of the devil, you're gonna pull this weapon to kill one of your own. But you're not gonna stab the devil with it. Does that right. make sense? <laughs> I was, I was, I was like, I was pissed that the player thought that that was a good idea. Like, I was like, how off the mark are you? Right, and we're, and then we, and then quickly, we were experienced to do this. We're like, we got to do this in a way where the players understand the goal was to get you away and out of danger because you shouldn't be here with us. Right, we're infiltrators. You're, you're cramping our style, and we can't infiltrate if you're just gonna go all bloodshed. Well, now we had to get you away. You wouldn't listen to reason. You wouldn't listen to manipulation. We got straight up be balls on the nose with this and rude, you know. And so when he pulled it out, just humiliated him. We made fun of him. We told him, you know, what kind of what kind of warrior are you to do that here? There's another time <laughs> and a place. Went all nine. And the devil herself was just like, wow, was just shot. Mm-hmm. And then finally, like, look, we're leaving since you're gonna get all five of us. And I was like, and I was, I was pantomiming to her, one, two, three, four, five on my hand, <laughs> like it's gonna happen. Best believe it, nighty night. Well, they leave, right? And when they leave, we just you know turn to this cat and we're like, all right, cool, you got your deal, we got your hat. And he's like, there's more, sure is. Yeah, we'll be back later, but it's not over, right? Because we don't know the depth, right? We so far just encountered one guy here who we were warned about, but arranged a deal where this guy's got to go. Where we left off, we were talking about our Bonars being in the Midnight Circus, and everybody pissed off and left, and then we uh, decided to go venture into the freak show to try to observe some of the things that they told us were in the circus. Right, some some terrible, terrible things. Um, question... Yeah. We can do the mouth thing? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, you told people we would do the book and then we would talk about it. Right. No, no, I didn't tell people. I told people at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, do we want to complete the story and then get into the Malks, or do we want to get into the Malks and then come back? Like we're, like we're a Quentin fine. Tarantino film. Fine, fine, fine. Because yeah, I'm down with that. We can be a Quentin Tarantino film. <laughs> You're the director. <clears throat> I ain't no director. I ain't shit. Hold on. What's loud? It was just me that was loud. Um, well, uh let, let's get back to the werewolf story momentarily. You're right. I'm we did jump. we did derail a little bit, a lot of bit, fifty minutes worth. So uh Malkavians. Um I'm I'm gonna lean on you for this one because I'm gonna need you to kind of help me to refresh my own memory. So as you tell right, so your we, tales, we told everybody. We said, "Hey, we're talking about the clan Nosferatu. It's your idea, by the way, too." You said mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about it in the in the review. Mm-hmm. And since we're doing a clan book, we're gonna talk about our experiences. Yeah, with the with those clans. Right. In, in the nerd. That's words. true. That's totally true. 
we've established that. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, uh, so my experience is Clam, uh, the second character I ever played in live action was a Malkavian. Um, but the second character I ever played was a Malkavian. And uh, I, I was definitely into the, the concept of the clan. Um, I actually, I, I created like journals. Like I think seven had just come out. And so I was very much into like the the concept of like a crazy person keeping track of all of their weird thoughts and shit. And like I had those uh, the same notebooks. What's cool about this is ties to like like one inspiration hit you right. Mm-hmm. Seven was big to you, right? Clearly influential because you had a nas that you had play a different aspect of what that hit you right. That yeah. was one. And now we're talking about how you had a mal comps that come out of that too. Right. So the Malk was oh geez that had to have been. Like five years before I played that Nosferatu, because this was this was like this was back in the day at the fucking Riverwalk. Like this was I was in high school. That's how far back this shit goes. Right. Uh, like a freshman or sophomore in high school, and uh, um, I mean it was a long time ago, and it was a game that didn't really last a very long time, but it was a concept that uh, I greatly enjoyed because it was a character that, like on the surface, was the nicest guy you could ever be around like you know wore the button down polo shirts and the the you know the the khaki slacks but was a depraved serial killer and all that shit was on the back end so like the people that i was interacting with on a nightly basis were like this is like the most normal malkavian we've ever dealt with right right like this guy is he's lucid he's he he helps out. He always is there to like give an idea, you know. But relatively vanilla character, except when I would submit things to the storyteller, and that, that's really where like shit started to go south. Because in the the small moments and the dark moments, you know, I'm writing all this shit, and this was like this person who's just like totally consumed in his mind. Like everybody knows me knows I've been into serial killers for years, so like being able to portray that like almost in a fictional sense, like almost writing a story. It was a lot of fun. So being that what you were playing, mm-hmm. I story told it for you. I thought, no, this Mal-Cave. was, no, no, no this, not that guy. Yeah. I story told a Malkavian. You, you, I was a story told you played a Malkavian. This is possible. And in the Malkavian you played, decided he wanted to be a deputy. Does this, this ring any bells? Mm, vaguely. Okay, so I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you the character where this interaction comes. And not to, I'm not, not yeah. playing a game out to yeah. you, but just to tie it together. You were the one who figured out what was wrong with the Malkavian Primogen, Remington Duckworth. Yeah, I do. I do. Just, I, I, I kind of remember that. Because you you gave up the character. Yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to explain this to people. Like, this is how disturbed the Mount Clan can get. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, I think the character that I was playing was a. Um, like a former special ops, like like an actual like military guy. Yes. And like came home and uh, again, not to hover around death, but I decided to be like a hitman for hire. And that's why I, I, I like went for that role because that's I, I had that sort of like cold disassociation. Yep. Um, but like I didn't kill people because I like to kill people. That's just all I knew. And it's the only thing they knew, right? Players right. Who, inter- who interacted with you had all sorts of assumptions what your clan was. Right. You never told anybody. No. And you were contacted by, um, well, this this Remington. Yeah. Right? You, told, you were told this guy's a primogen. He's going to help you. And he wants to help. He's a doctor. Right? Mm-hmm. 
And you were like, cool. But then when you encountered each other, they had this cool thing that was sort of an unexplained thing until the revised Malk book. Right. But we're going to stick to the first one just because it still fits here. We knew each other. Like we could smell it on the blood. Mm -hmm. I knew what you were. You knew what I was. And we both didn't tell anyone. Right. That you were a Malk. We just let, let it fall where it was. And then you were told of a clan meeting. Hey, be here for X, Y, and Z. And then you did something I didn't expect as a storyteller, to be honest, mm -hmm. that was fascinating. And I want everybody to take notes on this. There are routines every NPC has. They have to. You have to represent a world, right? Right. And so you have to, in your head, map out what, a, what that guy does if a player decides to follow him home. So at this time, Remington Duckworth was what everybody thought a silly-ass name on a Malkavian who was all smiles, heavy-influenced, great primogen. Everyone liked him, wanted to be him. And he magnanimously was taking care of this... Hey, man, don't worry. I'll get him in the right spot. And then the sheriff is like, what does he do? Oh, he's da-da-da-da. Mm -hmm. good, good at finding things, investigator sort. Yeah, I need, a, I, need a, I need a deputy to be cool. You didn't make it to the first meeting. <laughs> You're pulled to the side because there was this crazed guy running around uh, biting people. Right. Like, you would get to these feeding scenes. It looked like somebody was attacked by a shark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you were like, that's messed up. I got to find out what it is. And the whole time you were talking to Duckworth. Yeah. And you were saying, look, man, you're my primogen. I really think folks should focus on this. Because influence was being used to cover it up. You would discover it. it get reported to the sheriff. And then it all got swept under the rug. And the sheriff kept saying, yeah, 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 we'll get to it. But there's, like, other things and other things. And you, and you wouldn't let it go. Right. Dog with a bone. You're like, nah, there's not. And you wouldn't let it go. Because I distinctly remember you telling... It was actually your fault. You hit the <laughs> primogen uh, with... Um, uh, what did you have? Uh, it was presence. You took a base level of presence, and you talked to him, and you role played out the presence. We didn't even do a chop for it. It was just you were telling him how, you know, there are innocents dying. There are people who, you know, we we took an oath to protect and watch. He didn't take no oath, but you did, right? And so when you said it, he was like, "All right, I gotta help you. I guess I gotta. I'm gonna let my protege help you out here, you know." And this this guy, per obfuscate, he's just there. He's been there the whole time, quiet, mousy in the corner, hasn't said anything. I didn't smile and just seemed very dour and he's there. And you right. were like, yeah, cool. Well, how's he going to help me? He knows things. He'll take you to people. We got to care about this, don't we? And I remember grabbing your shoulder and that was the that was the doom, doom thing to do. Not because you freaked out because then you knew something was wrong with the guy helping you. Right. And you decided to follow him home. And I'll never forget it. Here we are sitting running this scene. We're in a Denny's. And as we're running it, I describe how you go to this old meatpacking plant. I do remember this, yeah. You stalked him to the meatpacking plant, mm -hmm. and this protege, this kid starts crying, who's with you. when he, The moment he sees the ice cream truck. Oh, God. He's just crying. Yeah. And you were like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, And you like kept calling the sheriff, and he kept blowing you off. And that player, what was unique, folks, you can understand, we're all sitting around like a huddled, like there was a campfire in the middle. We were at the campfire. Right. And there's 50 people around us. Dead as dead quiet as a mouse, listening to the story, which made it to where everyone in the restaurant is quiet for reasons unknown, <laughs> but the people close by are getting closer to the room we're at to listen to the story. Right. That's how good this was. And it was the interaction that we had going on. And the sheriff wouldn't take your call because I think the player went, Oh no, I'm not pulling you out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he kept hanging out. Yep. Like, nah, we want to know. We yep. want to know. And so when you got up to the ice cream truck, you know. Mr. Duckler starts going, do 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 I do remember this, And the this, kid yeah. lost his shit, screamed, and went to run. 
And when he ran, you saw who you were looking for dive out of nowhere, had these crazed metal bits shoved into his gums of his teeth and just savaged the kid and ate him. And Duckworth was calm throughout the whole aspect and was like, now clean up like right. I taught you, lick the wound, goes through this whole process and then tells him now take the stuff, put it in the plant. We'll process it because we have ice cream to make. And immediately you were like, I'm calling the fucking prince. This just got escalated and shit. So I remember the prince taking the call and you were like, listen, you need to get some heavies and then they need to get heavier. You need to come out here and we need to, we need to do this. It's like, who is this? Right. That was her first response. You know, it's an in player prince. And she goes, I don't have time for this. You need to, where's the sheriff. And then that's what got the sheriff involved. Prince calls. You got to take that call. And then the sheriff called you and said, what, what is so important? You tell him he was like, fine, I'll bring the crew. You sat there across the street. It very much, I like to think, of spec ops, you didn't take your eye off the target. Right. He gets an ice cream truck and turns on the music and starts driving around the neighborhood. So you started tailing him. Mm-hmm. And remember, yeah. you called all the troops to the meatpacking plant where Psycho Metal Beast is. Right. Right? And everyone else down the street. And I'll never forget it. The whole time you're playing your psychosis, you opened up a connection uh, with uh, the phone, by the way. You called someone else randomly. I still, to this day, maybe you can sit some inside. I don't know why you did it. You called a player, mm-hmm. and you didn't respond to them saying hello. You started talking out loud like you had an internal monologue. <laughs> but you were being external with it. And you were, like, gripping the steering wheel in fear. I'm driving down. Fear I haven't felt since the war. Fear that didn't make sense. That I didn't understand. And, like, everyone listening was like, what the fuck is going on with this guy and you're driving you're like do i use the walter ppk nah too noisy i'm gonna have to hit him with something heavy if i'm gonna go loud i don't know what this guy has i don't know what he has i don't know if that guy is what he is and the person in the end was like i don't like like a bomb like they were acting like they were holding a bomb and they start going around the room like someone please take this call and as a storyteller i'm like technically you're not near anyone we're not gathered in a room right but i'm gonna let this go like wherever this entertainment goes i'm gonna let it go and, and people are getting panicked, like, oh, my, I don't want that call. I don't want to know what he's in. He's going to die. And everyone's like, that guy, Nate's going to die. <laughs> and the whole time, here's this dude, Primogen, he's following, playing ice cream music at 2 in the morning. And he goes into a neighborhood, derelict neighborhood, known for violence, drugs in the nine. And he drives up to a corner, and this guy's like, yo, man, we'll take some ice cream for free. And he was like, wouldn't have it any other way. I don't want to charge for good ice cream. <laughs> and then you just shot rounds in the air like these mortals didn't know what they were doing and you were like bah, 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 bah. they ducked out and they left and he didn't even think you were there right because it was a bad neighborhood anyway and he was like oh well someone wants my ice cream and he kept driving and then he gets to a house and you were like i don't even know if this guy's offering ice cream right we don't even know what's in the truck we have no clue and then when he got out to go into the house because at this point he went broken seamlessly like a professional thief into a home and drug out the kid by the neck. And for some reason, all the kids screaming didn't wake anybody up, didn't bother anybody. No one knew why. But only he could see it, i.e. It's a level of obfuscate where you can let someone see you, but nobody else can respond to it. And when he came out, without you knowing he had that, you played it cool. Like, it's none of my business. But he didn't go to the truck. He went into an alley and was feeding. You went into the truck. I do recall going into the truck. I... I'm trying to remember what was in the truck, but if if I remember correctly, it was it was not ice cream. No, it was like 
human stuff. Yes. It was these old freezers that had long since stopped freezing. And whatever was in there had long since begun to he was spill taking, out. He was taking paper cones mm-hmm. and he was scooping out mess. Yeah. And he was trying to offer it to people. And when he offered it to people, he had, you, you, you're the one who figured it out that he was tricking them into believing that it's ice cream. Because what he would do, he would use his dominate. And when he offered to him, he would say, you want this ice cream, don't you? Right. And the guy's like, nah, man, it's some kid shit. I don't want it. That's how they would treat it. Oh, well, someone wants it. And that's he was making people eat human remains. Yes. Where he was going. And you lost your shit. I remember you were in there and then you went at him in the alleyway and you attacked him. Now, this is one of those moments where everybody was like, now we have to help him. He found out what a sick bastard is. Get him. We're all going to get him. We're <laughs> right. all going to be there. Everyone wanted to take his phone call and they can't because he's fighting. Right. And he went in and attacked this primogen and this guy fought him and was like, made a lot of sense. I remember that. He started telling Nate about his character, about how the war and you wondered why you warred and you wondered why you were killing people. Did you ever stop to think that it's fate? That's inevitable. You're now a servant of death now. Even as you're stabbing me, your goal is to kill me. Aren't you worse than I? Right. I do it because I'm hungry. You're doing it because. And you were like, nah, nah. And you started having issues right. with what you were. And what I want to what I want to call the golden moments of acting, for both of us, right? We were just taking this to different levels. People cared about you that didn't know you. <laughs> right. And people hated me that <laughs> knew me. There, there was, a, I'm certain there was a group that plotted my death leaving Denny's as a human being. Like, that dude's too fucking big to jump in one, five, six was going to have to go. Right. So people, like, physically wanted to get involved. And we're going to have to hit him with a truck. I don't know why he's torturing that poor guy. And it's Nate, you know? And at this point, I remember taking a break. We had some drink. We had some food. had some grub. And then... Uh, the players had to go explain to the people listening, it's a game. Right. It's a game. We're not... He ain't even at the game. Right. This is it's after a, the game running side scenes. We're, we're in the Denny's. Right. You know, we're in a restaurant eating food and sharing stories. That's all we're doing. And they were like, oh, wow, what's I got to play this game. That's a game? How do I play? And suddenly people are preaching the games is where we got a lot of our popularity from. On that scene, I know for a fact. But I also remember its culmination when you dis- you flipped. I, I loved it. It was brilliant. From that, you went, wait a second. It is fate. Every bullet right. ever landed, every skill I ever had, it's borrowed from somewhere, isn't it? And he just gave you a wan smile and was like, I know I have an ice cream truck and I know you need to get it home, don't you? You're the deputy. Got to have your reward. Right. Job well done. Now, back at the ranch... He's, he sicked all the heavies to one building. I go to run this scene, and now Nate's listening. And Nate's a cackling madman in this scene. <laughs> because every time someone's... Like, I'm describing doors creaking as they're walking down the hall. They're an abandoned meat packing plant. All they can hear is this machine running, some slicing and some crunching of bone. And they know what that is, because there ain't no cow around this part. But what is it? Right. And as they get closer and closer, they're like, okay, if someone's feeding it, they get to where someone should be feeding it, there's no one there. The brilliance of obfuscate, right? Well, what's really going on is the people they sent are like, well, I guess it's a job well done. We're leaving. And the sheriff gets out the door and a deputy goes to leave. And then one little straggler was like, uh, I'm at least going to see if there's a phone or a hidden room. And that guy got jumped and there was nothing those two could do. Like the scene where it was where he had and Nate sitting there like, I told you, <laughs> I told you, you didn't, you didn't want to mess with this. You don't know what's going on. And the villain was his name Scalpel Tooth. And Scalpel Tooth is actually the primogen. 
they're one and the same. Yep. Remington and Scalpeltooth are one and the same. And what it is is the character of Remington, you got to understand, I feel I have to explain to make it why is he that sick. You have to attach why. And the point is that meatpacking plant he owned and ran when it was up and running and he was a human being. And as it got derelict and shut down and fires happened and bad news, um, he also got embraced and it became his haven. And he stayed there. Solitary Malkavian, a Chicago staple. Problem is, his family was murdered. His family was murdered and all his power, all his immortality, nothing he could do about it. And he had a very disturbed son that he had put in a hospital. A son who uh, another player had killed in hospital. That's what mm-hmm. started this downward spiral. And he's been trying to get his son back. So what he's been doing is, he's been using an ice cream truck, driving around just like everyone's listened, and he's been coaxing kids. Kids who remind him of his son, and he's going to take them. Hopefully, they 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 suffer the same problems his son did, and he was going to make them his son, his new son, and some sort of sickness. And nobody wanted that to happen. That was bad news. But then again, nobody really knew the full scope. Right. So here you have that little bit, and they're dealing with the primogen, because the problem is, is the primogen does have an ability to fake to others that they're really following him or they're seeing him or whatever. In reality, they're doing, it's a subtle level of dominate. It's a combo of disciplines. Uh, that player, that whole scene where Nate was driving and talking out loud, it fit beautifully because really Nate was the one driving the truck. He, his character <laughs> was the one offering scoops of bloody mess to people and then still had that conversation because uh, telepathy is a bitch. That's, that's how it can work too, with dominate included. And we had done, remember I gave you a series of chops beforehand yep. and told you the, rec- the, the retest and whatnot, but it's a storytelling technique. I got to load this up, give a player his shot, his day in the sun, but if they have no ability to know, then the rest is narration. And that's how the story unfolded. And, but this is what we're talking about. The sickness of Malkavians is never obvious. Right. And often when you find out, it's tragic. Right. It's like, how can he fault the guy to try to get his family back? And incredibly disturbing. Like, there you go. Like to me, the the best tales of the Malkavians are not the I put sugar in his gas tank prank. Right. Like ah, uh, I pranked him. He was handing out ice cream, but it was made of people. It's it's not. It's just that. It's that it has to be disturbing because there should be a love. I think there's a mixture of things when you play a Malkavian. There's a tragedy hidden mm-hmm. somewhere, and that's the hopelessness of the fact that it's forever. You will never be cured, dude. I uh, I had a. I had a blog for that character. I wonder if it's still out there somewhere. I, I don't even remember what the character's name was, but um, I, I remember a description of what you did and what you. I remember the importance of you. Yeah, no, I, I distinctly remember the character. I just don't remember the character's name. And that's like a staple. Like nobody ever dealt with that guy. No. Like uh, one, I think the prince executed one of his kids. Well, because nobody could ever figure out that it was the same person. Right. And and this other this other entity this scalpel tooth entity. He was a home invader. Yeah. <laughs> so he he was the type of guy that would show up and and lay some heavy shit on you, and you'd be like, oh fuck, he's gonna kill me, and then he'd leave, and no one would know where he ended up. No one knew where he where he lived, where he slept. Because he was he was the fucking milk primogen. <laughs> but you knew you did your job. As a, as a storyteller on staff, when you had the sheriff started covering it up. Right. I remember that distinctly when the deputy, you and the sheriff were just like, whatever he did, you'd find it in the influence release. Right. And you would just. Let's get him up. Let's just take care of it. It's right. Like, really? I, hey, that's that. And uh, you guys netted a special friend. But that's the horrible fact, too, because it's 
you would go to Elysium on gatherings and when I had to play that NPC, he'd give you a wink or a nod, offer you some cash and you would just, nah, I'm cool. Right. <laughs> just like keep a distance. I wish that fucker would go away. Right. And everybody else was like, what's the big deal? But they were all in that scene. That's the other thing that fascinates me. If you run a scene and you do it well, your own players will forget important stuff because they weren't supposed to hear it, but they were happy that they did. Right. Because it was entertaining. And that's, that's what's good. But that's done right. Right? That's ideal. How about when it's bad? How about a Mount Caving done bad? You know, I'm trying to, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious when it happens, when it's bad, because it's, it's not any of those things. It's, uh, there's a girl that mm -hmm. we knew always played him out caving if she could. And she did it because she loved being hysterical. Uh, yeah. Like she'd always take hysterics, right? That'd be yeah. a derangement. And then she, and this is way before the revised. This is just how her take was. And she did it for, and she even said everybody, she does it for the attention. <laughs> said it flat out. Right. And it starts to roll his eyes because there's a time and place for a scene. Like if we're in a public setting like a park and we know a restaurant is right up the hill or gets emptied out, you know, just keep it to words. Everybody just kind of, you know, you can use your imagination to be where you need to be. Yeah. This girl would break out into hysterics. Crying, accusations, horrible things. One in particular, I remember being in uh, on the Riverwalk and she accused this guy of of raping her. That was terrible. And this guy was like 15 years old playing the game. And he knew she was playing. He was part of her clan. He's trying to calm her down. It's okay. It's okay. She's like, no, it was you. Very realistic. Right. You know, I'm not saying she's not doing it well. I'm saying it was very poorly timed. Very poor thing to do in public. And very poor because it drew every hero who heard it. Right. Well, and it also kind of like... I don't. I don't necessarily have a problem with that type of behavior in a role playing setting, because um, isolated, right? Well, and that's that's where I was getting with that. Like when you're in a park, in a public park, maybe I don't know. Tone it down. A tad, right? It's just a little bit. A tad. You can sob, tell them you're crying much louder. There's things you can self narrate and describe to someone without doing it. And but she she took it to the hilt, and I remember the, no end of problems. Like it ended, it ended so bad that it stopped game that night because the storyteller had to get got. I remember he had to get brought over to explain it to figure out what's going on because someone called the cops, right? Because it looked like a bunch of dudes ran down to rush a crying girl who claimed who cried rape. That's all any bystander knew walking by, and so you didn't fault them for being human beings and decent. But she then was caught in a position where she had to explain, "Oh, I was acting." She never said that. Right. She sat there caught up in the crying and everybody was there and literally basking in the attention of the drama she caused. And here's this poor 15, 14, 15 year old guy like, wow, like, can you tell people that I didn't rape you? Right. Like we were acting. I didn't, I didn't do anything to you. The story tried to come over before she decided to stop crying and she was just acting and told people and the hate from folks who were there at that point. It, it was bad. I'm not I'm not familiar with this person. Would you do me a favor and tell me who this person is, and I'll edit it out? Oh, that makes fucking perfect sense. Yeah, no, I'm not familiar with that. I don't recall that situation, but uh, now that we've discussed and <laughs> I right. know who the person is, par for the fucking course. It's, I mean, it's terrible. Like, she's good at playing that hysterics, but like you said. But also, location, also location, you, you, have to, you have to take into account the person themselves. Like there, there have been a number of different occasions 
where we've played people, we played people, we've played with people that clearly have a mental disorder and they probably shouldn't be playing the game because I don't think it's very healthy to basically be portraying psychosis, but like actually being that way. Right. And that's the inherent, that's the phase two of it, right? That's the inherent thing of what we're talking about, that Malkeem is a dangerous client to portray, not only because of the energy it takes, it's 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 tiresome. Yeah, it's hard. To do that. The other half of it is, and to do it right, the other half is is that some people who just do it, do it because it's how they really are. Right. And so it seems good, but then judge how they're impacting their environment. Right. And, and you talk to the person when the game is over, outside of character, and you're like, you're aware the game's over, right? Like, you can break character now. Right. And there's no character to break because that's just how they are. Or get on your meds. Right. One of the two, stay up on your meds and whatever it is you got to do to make sure you're not like that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a, that's one of the, the downsides of a large role-playing game. At least it used to be. I don't know how it is so much anymore. But in, in the day when it was very popular, it did attract a lot of people that, you know, were disenfranchised, were perhaps a little unhinged. Um, and, you know, it gave them a social outlet. And it was natural from the gravitate gravitate towards that book because it was, you want to act out? This gives you permission. Yeah, it's it's a clan book. There it is. Yeah, Malkavian. And I think that's why. Like that's that's the plus and the minus of it, right? Right. Well, I I think at the end of the day, we can both agree that it is a it is a good clan that you can get a lot out of, but um, it hasn't necessarily been done in a way that. Uh, in, in previous incarnations and in clan book by a lot of players, it hasn't been done in a way that necessarily we agree with. Huh. Um, having said that, uh, we're getting about an, almost an hour and a half here. Uh, let's finish up our werewolf tale and then Go we ahead. can wrap this podcast up. Yep. So basically we decide to stay in the, uh, in the freak show. We discover some entities that are uh, odd, that are perhaps believed to be extinct and we learned some things. Bottom line, though, the two of us are like, we're going to go back to the Karen. We're going to get our asses kicked. Right, because we, we confirmed that right, girl was right, there absolutely. in the cage. We confirmed yeah. all of the rumors and more. And we're like, so we're definitely on the righteous path. But we're going to have to go take our licks for this. Because <laughs> they don't understand us. They don't know what we're doing. They don't get it. And they're beat first. They're going to be beat first, ask right, questions later. Right. So let's go with a uh, little, little help in taking yeah. the medicine. Let's take some pain pills and go get beat up. So we go back to the location where the rest of the players are at, and uh, I go out to have a cigarette. Bob goes into the cairn. And it's immediately, I am challenged. I'm brought up on charges and challenged uh, to a duel to the death. And my kid was like, nah, I'm good. You go ahead. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm all right. And they're like, nah, you did this. There's disrespectful and disrespect and you know, this violation and blah. I'll never forget it. You caused this Karen to be violated. You've broken one of our sacred laws. And I was dumbfounded because, because you know, the whole aspect was as a player, I'm like, oh, did something happen while I was gone? Did right. I draw attention back? And then I said two things. First one was you guys came back first. Whatever happened while I wasn't here, that's on you. Right. If, if you're saying I did specifically, that's interesting because we came alone and nothing followed us in. Right. So what, what did we, how do we violate your sacred, your sacred peace some grounds or whatever? And this one guy just erupts, right? Goes full werewolf, crazed and clawed, and just dives into my character, starts ripping him up. And the whole time, I'm on pain pills. 
And he and honestly, ripping me up, eh, he clawed me once, but I'm allowed to talk throughout because I'm what's called relenting. I'm not resisting him doing this. I knew it was coming. And I just start insulting the crap out of his character, not the player, his character. And that seemed to incense a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Like, you're in the wrong. How dare you? I was like, man, you're killing me. Let's let's put you're, you're killing me. Right. You're not beating me. You're trying to kill me. Right. Exactly. So, and then my alpha, Nate, comes back in, stops the shenanigans, right? He gets in the thick of it. That guy gets calmed down. I'm getting healed. And then people are kind of willing to listen. But then he has to straighten everything out. You don't just come in and lay hands on someone else's. It's a wolf pack. Right. You know, alpha's going to be pissed. You jumped one of his in whatever when he wasn't looking. Right. You know, some cowardly and, shit. And, and, like, you know, I'm getting in people's faces and I'm like, I'm like, look, fucking, like, where do you get off just walking over and just letting your pack member attack mine? You don't say shit to me. You don't fucking, you know, oh, she's like, oh, if you don't like it, then challenge me on the mount. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Cause again, <laughs> reference, we haven't been explained anything about this. So it's, it's a, it's Wrigley field. And apparently you challenge people at the pitcher's mound. I don't know. I didn't make the fucking the pitcher's mound is steeped in blood at Wrigley. Right. But that's I, why I, they won the world series, you know? Yeah. I didn't know anything about that, but, uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do any of that. Like you're fucking in the wrong. I'm not going to challenge you over it. Like the whole point of us being here is because what y'all's doing ain't working. And, uh, legit. Right. Legit. And then there's, there's politics here, right? This is the politics of werewolf. And and not like, for instance, any vet of werewolf knows that, OK, cool. You guys like we rank five or order. No, I was rank one. He's ranked two. <laughs> right. I took rank okay. two so I could be fucking. We're, we're young <laughs> and we, we got in where we thought we were needed. And clearly we knew we were getting yelled at and talking to because there's a lot we don't know. And instead of someone coming over of rank in position to do that. And they were there, by the way, we, we were just, you know, hey, let's watch them get stomped on and snuffed out. And a storyteller was just watching for reasons unbeknownst to us. And then, you know, something very interesting happens. As Nate's, you know, preaching, telling what's what, this guy, I guess he did have rank, was the same dude who challenged me, tried to challenge again. And you were like, nah, man, that's, nah, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then he tried to step closer to you. And I was like, get the fuck back. Who are you? You jump now. I'm going to resist. I'm going to resist like you didn't believe. Well, really, what we're doing is... Remember, we're followers of Cuckoo. We're infiltrators. We're not fighters. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we have no idea. We're going to take any angle to get in your head to make sure that we at least have a chance to get one good shot in. We, we are like we're like Eddie Murphy in Raw when he's yes. like, I'm on the fuck y'all. <laughs> y'all can your ass beat right now. And so that's what we did. We started just, just heaping it on. Terrible things will do to you. You wouldn't believe what a trash can thrown at you at, at 40 miles an hour as I steal your car. What he could do. You don't understand. Promising doom and gloom. And this guy's like, oh, well, all right, calm down, calm down. He takes a step back. Then the storyteller decides to play the master of the right, I think. I don't know or who. Or whatever master of channel, whoever. The Somebody hell. important. Somebody with title. Don't you dare take a step back to them. You know what they are. And at that point, we were like, fuck this, fuck you, we're leaving. We don't know what sort of crazy baseball group you are, right. but we're, we're taking off. We're taking off. And not to take off to quit the game, we're not like that, but we were like, we got to leave because they're heated and don't understand what we were doing. But we still got to do what we were doing. Right. And what were we doing, folks? Long story short, if you didn't pick up on it, we went and infiltrated a group to, to get one item from the big bad guy so we could track him wherever he goes later on because we have that ability. That's one. 
That was accomplished. Two was to confirm that he had the package we wanted. That was done. Right. We know where she is, and she knows we know where she's at, and we're willing to come get her, and she's willing to go. You know? Her people sacrifice herself. Sometimes people get squirrely. No, I'm here for the greater... No, she's like, give him the fuck out. <laughs> and so we were all about that. And we also set it up to where the evil bad guy is willing to let five of us go in right. to kill him. That whole five he pick, every damn one of them are designed to kill the bad guy. It's like literally, it was perfect. Right. It's a perfect scenario. All you guys gotta do is play along. We drag you back. We smoke them. Everybody goes home happy. And that that's not what they wanted. And then that's where it goes out of game. So when you play games, everyone's had this scenario. People take shit to heart. Yeah. And take stuff to understand. Like out of game, me and Nate knew where the confusion was, and we didn't care. We weren't even mad. We were like, cool, that's game. And well, now we gotta sit out for the last 30, 40 minutes because we can't go back there. Right. We can't expect special treatment. We're just around the town eating pizza and sleeping in cardboard boxes exactly until another time it's no big deal but folks's feelings gets hurt yeah and uh you know then we find out about the the backyard politics of you know we're assholes not our characters us we are assholes we're we're the we're the fucking jagoffs because we came to game to stab people in the back no meanwhile no one's bothered to ask us anything like no one, literally, we left for an entire week. Thought everything was cool, copacetic, no mm -hmm. big deal. That happened. There was some bad blood in game. Story told us to figure out how she wants to roll it. But we were like, mm, okay, right, well, right, because game is over. We go home and we live our lives. We don't take that shit personal. But again, you know, no consultation. No one discussed anything with us. So, yeah, you know, that's what it's like to LARP sometimes. And, and I got to point this out. If any of those people after game were like, oh, we're kind of pissed at you, we would talk to them. Yeah, absolutely. But they didn't. They smiled, wanted to shake hands. You know, if I was, hey, we're going at this place to eat. If you're going out, ah, we can't, you know. Because you know, we're fucking almost we're 40. We're strapped. <laughs> you know, we're, things got to get paid. You know, we're adults. So not that they're not, but just we're not. We don't have that heavy cash flow right now. I'm trying to support a program here. So that's, that's how they do. Mm -hmm. You know, but that's where it goes wrong. And that's a tragedy. And that long story explains why maybe LARP needs a drastic overhaul and people need to be invited and things need to be held to a standard where folks take value of what they do and appreciate the other folks who did the same. Right. Or alternately, you could just play tabletop. But we want you to play our LARP. We want you, maybe, to play our LARP. Maybe. The golden LARP. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to wrap it up there. If you have any questions or comments or criticisms for us, uh, if you've ever listened before, you probably know where to leave them by now. If you don't, Golden just go to utilitymuffinlabs.com and you can find out about all of our information or look us up on Facebook, Utility Muffin Labs. Bye-bye. We'll have vampire unicorns with fangs that fart golden blood drops. And horses. We'll have horses. I don't know why we have horses, but why not? Horses yeah, why are not? awesome. We're dragging it on like this podcast. Right, right. All right. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. Have fun. <laughs>